It's great to be up here this morning, and um, I'm going to be continuing with our series on prayer and praying with purpose, and I don't know if you've been here, if you've caught some of the other messages, but um, I've touched on praying with purpose for family and marriage, and that includes parenting, and I've touched on, last week actually, I touched on praying with purpose for the church, and what we're basically doing with this prayer, with my section of the prayer series is looking at the different domains in society and saying, you know what, in terms of how we pray, we have to pray with intelligence, right? If I'm praying in English, I must pray with intelligence. I I don't want to use vain repetitions and not really know whether God is going to answer my prayers. But let's find out what the Bible says about these various domains in society. And once we have an understanding of what God's heart is and what His desire is, what His will is, for a particular domain, we know that if we pray in accordance with his will, he must answer. Amen. And so those are the types of prayers that I'm interested in praying. I, when I pray, I want to know that my prayers are impactful. I want to know that I'm going to get an answer to my prayer that is going to make a difference. I don't want to come to pray just because I like the sound of my voice and pray. No. Okay, I've got many other things that I can be doing. Okay. Most of you are like me and you want to pray with purpose. And so that's really why we're looking at the different domains in society. And I've mentioned before some of the domains. When I say domain, I mean things like family and marriage and parenting, church, education, government, um, economics, um, all the different domains and aspects, agriculture, um, uh, arts and media, uh, technology, health and science, all the different domains of society. God has a blueprint, has a pattern, has a picture for that particular domain. He has a purpose for that domain. And it's important we understand some of what God's um, purpose is for each of these domains. And the challenging thing for me as I'm standing up here and I'm trying to teach you on all of these things is obviously close to my heart are some of the domains. So some of the domains I find when I want to stand up and teach, I've got so much to share. And some of them are not as high on my passion list in my heart. And so it's harder for me to to teach you on them. And and we'll find that some of us within this congregation will be more passionate about some of the domains and and pray more easily and and have a greater biblical understanding of how to pray. But it's important that wherever we find ourselves in terms of passion for these domains, we know how to pray for all of them. Amen. It's important that we pray for all of them. So let's let's pray. (laughs) Father, I thank you for this um, opportunity And today we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts. You're the teacher. Come and teach us. Come and speak to each one of us concerning prayer. I pray, Lord, this morning for a release of that spirit of grace and supplication that you would take us deeper in prayer as a church. Lord, we want to be more prayerful and more watchful as a church. We know that nothing happens apart from prayer. So teach us, Lord, teach us even concerning these domains I'm touching on today. Fill my heart, mind, and mouth with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so even as I'm talking about praying with intelligence and praying with understanding and praying, applying our minds to these two particular domains, which I'll mention just now, I want to start my message by reading from Romans 8, verse 26 to 28. Yes, so if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Otherwise, I'm sure it will be up 
on the screen. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So right at the outset of my message, I'm wanting to say that we can look with intelligence and applying our minds to helping us in knowing how to pray for these domains. But at the end of the day, we'll never know everything. Amen. I will never know when I come to pray for government. I don't know what's being discussed behind closed doors. I don't know if you do, but we don't always know. But there's one who does know, and he's the Holy Spirit. We don't always know what's happening in Parliament. We don't always know what's happening in the legislature, in the judiciary. We don't know what plans are being hatched in terms of new bills for the nation, uh, new bills for education, new policies. We don't always know, but the Holy Spirit knows. So right at the outset, I'm wanting to say that it's important that even though we're going to pray with intelligence concerning these domains, that each one of us are filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Spirit, and speak in other tongues, because those are the groanings that the Holy Spirit makes within us. And it's important that we're able to do that, because sometimes we come to pray what we fed by the news, what we fed uh, by other people in terms of what's happening in the nation is one thing, and we can pray at a certain level, but when the Holy Spirit gives us a burden, sometimes we just got to pray in groanings from the Holy Spirit, and He helps us to pray. Amen. So I want to say at the outset that if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues, please could you speak to Pastor Vimbai at the end of the service. She's available. You can just wave, just wave your hand. You can speak to her. She's available. She'll give you a bit of teaching regarding that, and she will be available to help you be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So you have this tool to help you pray when you don't know how you ought to pray at the end of the day. And when we were at a prayer conference recently, and this is just for free, we were at a prayer conference and the guy who was ministering said something so powerful, which I'm going to throw in here. He said, as Christians, we love to quote verse 28, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. And we love to quote that. Yes, we do as Christians. And, and sometimes we almost, um, we just like, oh, well, whatever will be, will be. It'll work together for good. But he said something that was so powerful. He said, it only works good if it's prayed good. Because the context of verse 28 is straight after he's been talking about the Spirit making intercession for us. So we can't just say, well, whatever will be, will be. It'll work out for good. It'll only work out for good if you've prayed it to work out for good. And sometimes the only person who knows how to pray that is the Holy Spirit. Amen. So see Pastor Vim afterwards if you would like be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But today, in terms of what I'm covering in the two domains that I'm going to try and get through today, I want us to look at education, the domain of education and the domain of government, and briefly look at a biblical view, give us some idea of God's perspective of these on, on these particular domains so that we can pray with intelligence when we're praying in our language, English or whatever it is. Would you like that? Yes, that's great. And remember, as we're looking at these domains, the purpose of it is to say each domain, there's an aspect that God wants to reveal of himself through each domain, an aspect of him. God can't be contained in the church and these four worlds. God 
can be seen in all of life and desires for himself to be seen in all of life, which is beautiful because it means if I'm called to the education domain, I can reveal God in that domain. If I'm called to be in government, I can reveal God in and through what I'm doing in government. He applies to all of life. So in terms of education, which is what we're going to start looking at now, what is education? Uh, a lady called Jill Nelson, she summarizes it like this. She said, knowledge, be knowledge begins with recognizing God's rightful place and authority in all things. The Bible is the most important source of knowledge as it is able to make us wise for salvation. And if you have a look in your notes, all of these statements have scriptures uh, that are referenced alongside them. All other knowledge is to help our understanding of biblical truth and the greatness of God. Knowledge is to equip us for good works. Therefore, we, say, we can say that education is the process of acquiring knowledge about God and His world with the goal of becoming wise for salvation and then being equipped to do good works so that God is glorified. Education is the process of acquiring knowledge about God and His world with the goal of becoming wise for salvation and then being equipped to do good works so that God is glorified. Now that is very clear to me that helps me a lot when I'm thinking about the school I want to send my children to and how I want them to be educated. Because you see, education is the responsibility of parents. It's not the responsibility of government and it's not the responsibility of schools. And parents delegate responsibility to educate their children to the school that they send their children to. So as parents, we better know what the philosophy is in the schools that we send our children to. Amen. Okay. So God is a multi-generational God and He desires that biblical values, ethics, moral code and framework be passed from one generation to another generation. So our children, technically speaking, from a biblical perspective, should be stronger than us and should go further than us. They should, in effect, stand on our shoulders in life and, and move on from where we've left off. Now, if I look at scriptures, if you go and read Judges from chapters 1 to chapter 7. You'll see that God raises up this prophet or this judge or this leader who follows God. The person makes sure that the whole of the nation of Israel follows God with biblical values and, and, and a biblical code and they pursue God. Then this judge dies and then the people go and turn aside and follow other, other gods. And then God allows them to go into captivity. They're captured by some ite or some some other nation until they realize, you know what, we've fallen. We need to turn back to God. They cry out to God. He raises up another leader. This leader is a godly one, brings them all back to following and pursuing God, and everything is hunky-dory until that particular leader dies. He doesn't pass on the biblical values to the next generation. He dies, and everything that he carried that brought prosperity to the nation of Israel dies with him. And then the, the children of Israel go back into captivity because they follow other gods, and so on, and so on, and so on. And it repeats so many times, and you kind of wonder, when are you going to get the picture, you know? And if you look at Eli's sons, you see that Eli was upright. And Eli, the Bible says that he instructed his sons and he disciplined his sons, but they didn't listen to him. So it's not about just instructing our children. It's about ensuring that they actually listen to what we say. And, and judgment came on the house of Eli because his sons were doing wickedly in, in the house of God and, and they died, basically. They missed out on their inheritance as a family and as a, 
as a, as a people group because his sons were disobedient. If you look at Samuel's sons, Samuel didn't pass on what he had to his sons and his sons were wicked and the people, the elders in Israel were very unhappy when Samuel made his sons leaders and they, that's when they cried out for a king and that's when God basically gave them Saul because, um, yeah, well, they weren't supposed to want a king, but they did, and then God gave them soul. So it's important, really important, that we educate our children. And when we educate our children, it's not just saying, well, I'm paying school fees. That's not education. You'd, we delegate authority to the school to educate our children around certain things. And when we send them there, we better know what they taught. We better know that in grade five or grade six, they're going to get a, a sex talk in school. And we better know that before they get the headmaster or the deputy headmaster sex talk, we better give them a biblical version of the sex talk. So when they go there, they're not hearing for the first time that, okay, sex outside of marriage is fine. Just make sure you use a condom. Amen. Education has to be a, it's a biblical view and we apply that to all of life. And we must remember, we've got to pass on our values to our kids. So when we're educating our kids, yes, we send them to schools if we don't homeschool them, but it's important that we still carry a responsibility to educate them in terms of who are they, who am I, and, where, and whose am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Why am I here? How do I know what I know? And what is of ultimate value? Quite recently, one of my sons, they, 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 their school, their class went on a trip to a particular place where I know, where we know they taught about evolution. And he didn't go. He didn't want to go. And, and if he'd wanted to go, we would have allowed him to go, but we would have educated him before he went. Because he's going to go there and he's going to find out, no, we all, you know, products of chance and we all came from some a singular cell and some goo and then the zoo and then there was us. Okay? Which isn't a biblical view of how we are here. Amen. It's not where we came from. So we have to make sure, and when we're praying regarding education, yes, we must pray regarding the uh, policies that are made in terms of uh, government and the education policies, Ministry of Education. But we've got to pray for ourselves as parents. Amen. We need wisdom as we educate our children. Thank you. Somebody <laughs> Are you all with me? Okay. Listen to this quote. When I heard it, I was, and it's quite long, but just listen, it's just very profound. Viktor Frankl, who's an Austrian neurologist, psychologist, and Holocaust survivor who was, um, and he was not a Christian. And this is what he said. If we present man with a concept of man which is not true, we may well corrupt him when we present him as an automation of reflexes, as a mind machine, as a bundle of instincts, as a pawn of drives and reactions, as a mere product of heredity and environment. Then we feed the nihilism to which modern man is in, ca in any case prone. Then he says, I became acquainted with the last stage of corruption in the human heart in my second concentration camp in Auschwitz. The gas chambers of Auschwitz were the ultimate consequence of the theory that man is nothing but the product of heredity and environment, or as the Nazis like to say, of blood and soil. I am absolutely convinced that the gas chambers of Auschwitz, Treblinka, and Majdanek were ultimately prepared, not in some ministry of defense or some such portfolio other, uh, or other in Berlin, but rather at the desks and lecture halls of nihilistic scientists and philosophers. Saying the outworking of what we see in the nation starts in the classroom. 
It starts with what we teach our children. Our children become what the values that we pass on to them or the values and the teachings that we allow to be passed on to them in our ignorance when we send them to certain schools and universities. So we as parents, we have such a big responsibility in terms of what are our children being taught? What are we preparing for the next generation? Because our children today will be the leaders of the next generation. Whatever philosophies are being espoused and taught to them today is the philosophies that are going to be wor- are the philosophies that are going to be worked out in leading the nation and the nations of the world and the generations to come. Amen. I love what Ravi, Ravi Zacharias said. He made a comment about how in the top universities around the world, we teach very strongly that everything is relative and there are no absolutes, except that there are no absolutes. Okay. But anyway, there are no absolutes. Everything is relative. And then people leave university and they go out to the business world and they start to live out that, in that idea that everything is relative and there are no absolutes. And then they get thrown in prison for breaking the law. But we taught them that everything is relative. And now they're living out the ideas that we taught them and we, we, we can't, it's not palatable to us. But we, we have to be able to think through what we're teaching our children. What are we teaching the next generation? today and we have to understand when we espouse and when we allow our kids to be taught that you know atheism is an option there's no ultimate higher power or God all that exists is physical matter there's no unseen world we evolved by chance with no intelligent design when we allow our kids to entertain that or be um, take that in at school then then it's devastating basically because if there's no ultimate God, there's no higher power, there's no higher absolute standard moral law on which we base our law, which is the problem that we're facing today where law is what we just think. So what we think is good becomes law. No, that's not the, according to the Bible, abortion is murder. We can't just make it legal because we think that it's convenient. Or be, You know what I mean? Are you hearing where I'm coming from? So it all comes back to education and do we teach our children a biblical worldview? Jill Nelson states that all knowledge, including reading, writing, maths, history, science, music, art, geography, everything, every understanding is from God. Proverbs 2 verse 6, it says, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So we can't say, no, well, God can't belong in the classroom because we're now talking about design and technology or we're talking about geography or we're talking about history so he doesn't belong in the classroom no every bit of knowledge comes from God every bit of wisdom and understanding and the name and the nature of God that um, should be manifested in and through the domain of education is teacher God is teacher today the Holy Spirit is our teacher But when Jesus walked on earth, Matthew 23 verse 10 says, Do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. Jesus was a teacher. The Greek word for teacher means master, doctor, instructor, teacher. So the attributes of God that reflect in this domain are wisdom from above and knowledge. God is teacher. He has wisdom. He has knowledge. Isaiah 11 verse 2 says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Romans 11:33. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. God is wise. God is understanding. All knowledge resides with God. So the, the, the 
domain of education must be rooted in God and His infinite wisdom. So what is the purpose of the education domain? Well, the purpose of the education domain is to provide for the development of the God-given gifts in every child for the service of their fellow man and society, believing every child is gifted by God and has the right for those gifts to be developed and used to their highest potential. The purpose of this domain is also to pass on wisdom and knowledge to, uh, and truth to the next generation. So we want to pass on wisdom and knowledge and truth. We want to pass on knowledge that is rooted in the Word of God and a biblical worldview. So our kids can start where we, where we end. Amen. Okay, so biblical Christian education aims to teach that God applies to all of life. It aims to help believers to know the biblical Christian worldview and others, other worldviews. This is where we have to know what we believe and why, what we don't believe and why, and why we believe it. Biblically-based Christian education aims to help believers reinterpret everything through a biblical worldview. That is, how to manage time, finances, how to love your wife, how to raise children, the view of self, identity, success, walking in integrity, everything encompasses in this. So what does this mean? It means that I never graduate from learning because we never arrive. Even when we have doctor in front of our names, we still need to be learning. Amen. The church has a secondary responsibility in education. The state is not primarily responsible, responsible for the education of children. Parents have the primary responsibility to educate their children. This is very important. This means that, like I said, when we look at the schools we send our kids to, we say, you know what? This school, it says it's a Christian school. It has Christian values, but their teachers are not Christian. So what they, one of my sons came home from school one, of, one, one day and he said, Mom, it's like, yeah, he said, my teacher's not a Christian. <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? Okay, tell me more. Okay. It's important that we track with them and we have that relationship because wherever the school doesn't cover, we need to step in and cover. Amen. We've got to cover up and pray for wisdom that we know how to cover that up. And this is a point of prayer for me, like, Lord, give me eyes to see the gaps. Give me eyes to see where we need to step in and cover up. And when my son makes that type of statement for me, that's like an answer to my prayer because God is showing me, okay, <laughs> there are possibly some areas I need to cover up. And by the way, church does not have the primary responsibility to teach your children about their spirituality. Church, we just supplement what you're doing at home. Okay, so if you're not doing anything at home, you've abdicated your responsibility in terms of educating your children around their spiritual life, their spiritual walk with God. Okay. John Piper says, the business of education is God's business. He gave us the minds that think. He created the world we think about. He wrote the book of nature. He made the rules of logic. He is the standard of true and false, good and bad, beauty and, ugly, uh, and ugliness. To ignore him is to be profoundly uneducated. And some other points John Piper makes with respect to the education domain. He says, we are commanded to love the Lord with our minds. So we have to be able to apply our minds uh, in loving God and in knowing what we believe and why. Jesus says, Matthew 22, 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. I know as, as um, charismatic Christians, we, we like to, to love the Lord our God with all our bodies and we can jump around and praise and worship with our hands and our whole bodies and 
and with our soul because we can get so emotional and prayer meetings and worship and we are like that but when it comes to applying our minds sometimes I fear we're somewhat weak at that I think we're weak at that and I think we need to as Christians apply our minds and grow without God as the highest value of education all thinking becomes futile and dark Romans 1 verse 20 to 21 says this in verse 28 although they knew God they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened since they did not see fit to acknowledge God God gave them up to a base mind and to improper conduct I encourage you to go and have a look at the notes and see the, 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 the scripture references to some of these points that John Piper makes. He says, we are commanded to be mature in our thinking. Failure to love truth leads to destruction. Wise people seek to grow in knowledge. Are you seeking to grow in knowledge? Because it's a wise person who does that. I won't say what it means if you're not doing that. <laughs> thinking does not replace God and God does not replace thinking. Okay, so as we teach and we disciple our children and as we reflect on the education system in the nation, it's important to remember that ideas and belief systems have major implications, like I indicated earlier. And we need to understand how our children think and what's shaping their thinking. Um, if you have a look at the TV programs that our children watch, that's education. It's educating our kids. So if I, when my husband and I watch some of these programs, especially some of the animations, very, very clearly you begin to see once you've watched 10, 15 minutes of it, there's a specific worldview that is being espoused in that program. Some of them are animist, some of them are very Eastern religion, but I encourage you to have a look and watch what your kids are watching because it's educating them and you want to make sure that what we're allowing to influence our kids is from a biblical perspective. And I don't mean that they have to always watch stories about Jesus and the birth of Jesus and Jesus in a manger. No, I'm just saying <laughs> find movies that have good values, okay? Movies, sport movies where they can see, okay, there's integrity, there's this coach is awesome, they, they go from 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 nowhere to hero something like that you know we've got to watch and see what we're allowing our kids uh, to be educated by and as we look um so that's there the, a couple of levels of this as, as you can see there's our kids there's the schools our kids go to and then there's the ministry of education and the policies that are made at that level and i if you're called to that and you're called to that ministry of education being in government shaping policy i think that is awesome we need more biblical literate people stepping up and into that and I think this is a prayer point that we can pray for biblically literate people to step up into government and to shape policy so that policy reflects a biblical worldview like currently um, a friend of mine showed me she's sending her, her, her daughter to a school and, I, and, the, and the school remains nameless and faceless um, but she showed me on their policy documents their policy regarding gender and basically it was saying that if somebody identifies with the gender of a girl they're welcome to go to the girl it's a girl's school they're welcome to go to the school if they identify and if one of the girls in the school begins to identify as a as a young boy they will help that girl transition into a transgender state status okay and then I heard from this particular lady that she was talking to a mom uh, talking to someone quite influential at that school or, or someone who knew what was going on and there was a counselor in that school who was basically identifying girls who had tomboyish type of tendencies like they like to play soccer etc etc 
etc and pulling them aside and saying you know what don't listen to your parents it's actually okay if you have tendencies like this it means that maybe you were meant to be a boy and let me help you transition into that you don't need to listen to your parents can you imagine Okay, so these are things that we need to be watchful about and say at the highest level policy needs to reflect God's perspective but on the ground in the schools that we send our kids to we need to be praying for the teachers we need to be praying for things like this to be exposed because that is not okay amen okay so what are some other prayer items well the first thing is that there's a, a biblical worldview we can pray for that at the highest level policy level at our school at the schools uh, in our area um, the schools that we send our children to if you don't have kids you can pray regarding the schools that your family goes to or the schools in your geographical area we can pray that godly values are taught imparted modeled that obedience discipline diligence creativity respect for authority value for family all of these things are in the education system we can pray for godly character in our kids and in, in, in the next generation for a love of learning and discovery for academic excellence for balance exercise in spirit soul and body for lots of fun okay God is a fun God we can pray concerning the ministry of education for wise counsel for godly policy makers for policies to reflect a biblical worldview we can pray concerning preparing our children for what they are faced with at school because when my kids get into a class and this has happened where they say they come home and they say mom can you tell me about this there's a mom and another mom and they like there's a boy that has two moms like how does that work you know like we're gonna have to be able to educate our kids to be able to be loving but still know what we believe amen okay wisdom to know how to prepare our kids how do you prepare your kids for talks that they're going to receive at school do you even know what talks they're receiving regarding gender stuff regarding sex do we even know okay we have to prepare our kids and something that I love to do in terms of praying um, for my children is I always pray the year before in the middle of the year Lord handpick their teachers Lord handpick their classes Lord and I pray a lot into that because a teacher makes a big difference we can pray for parents and other parents to receive the responsibility to educate and train their children now like I said when I started you might say well how can I pray effectively for the whole education system in the country how can I pray effectively I don't know everything that's why I started by saying we need to be able to pray in tongues amen pray with understanding with what understanding we have pray with wisdom apply our minds and pray maybe start by praying for the schools the thing the issues that you know are at hand in your schools but then as you progress from there you might have to go into praying in tongues because we don't know everything amen and I think you know you might say to me well I've never prayed for education I've never prayed for the school well so that's fine start start small start where you're at pray for your the class your kids are in or pick pick a class that your niece or your nephew is in pray for their teacher then pray for their school then pray for the schools in a geographical area and then when you feel like you have faith for it pray for the education system of the nation amen okay 
So that is the domain of education. And I've just given you some ideas. I've thrown, up some, thrown out some thoughts to help you as you tackle praying for education, as you think about it. And if you're interested in this, I encourage you to go and learn more, to go and read more. This is just a sketch. It's an outline, something to help us. So go and read more. There's lots of interesting stuff out there. And I feel like saying, are there any questions? But I can't because it's Sunday morning and I've got to move on. So I'm going to move right on. So education, we've touched on that very briefly, but we've touched on it. Now I'm going to move on to government. Government and how to pray for government and how do we pray with wisdom and knowledge for government. And again, we pray with wisdom and apply our minds as far as we can. And then we have to rely on the Holy Spirit and pray in other tongues. Amen. Okay, so the name and the nature and the attributes of God that he wants to manifest through government. So government is not evil. Government is actually an institution that was designed by God. God is a God of order. He's a God of order and we see that even before the fall. Okay, so he's a God of order. He's king of kings. He rules and reigns with righteousness, with justice. He has, Revelation 19, 16 says, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, king of kings and lord of lords. Revelation 11, verse 15 says, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Psalm 89, verse 14 says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. I love how God rules and leads. Righteousness, justice, mercy and truth. So beautiful. And we see a picture of government. You know when Moses is now judging between the whole of the nation of Israel. And I've got the reference Deuteronomy 1 verse 9 to 18. He says, he basically is sharing how he couldn't alone bear the problems and the burdens and the complaints of the Israelites. And so what he did was he chose understanding, wise, knowledgeable men from among the tribes and he delegated authority and he made leaders of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens and officers. And in that way, he was able to govern and he could judge the harder cases, but the easier cases, the people underneath them could manage. And so government, that's a picture of government. It's delegated authority. It's God's idea. And, and it works. Okay. So the purpose of the government domain is to provide and ensure justice, peace, and equality for all citizens, including executive, judicial, military, and civil services. Okay. Government should create an environment where the nation can thrive in safety and prosperity. And government deals with masses, not individuals. Okay. Psalm 33 verse 4. Did you get that? Do you want me to read that again? Again. The purpose of government is to provide and ensure justice, peace, and equality for all citizens, including executive, judicial, military, and civil services. The government should create an environment where the nation can thrive in safety and prosperity. So right there are a whole lot of prayer points. Amen. Okay. Psalm 33 verse 4 to 5 says, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. This is a, such a strong prayer point that righteousness and justice are the foundation of our government. Righteousness and justice, that's God's desire. Okay. Psalm 99 verse 4 in NLT says, Mighty King, lover of justice, you have established fairness. You have acted with justice and righteousness throughout Israel. Lots to pray about. 
I've included in your in the notes an article by uh, someone called Kirby Anderson and it goes into a fair amount of detail in terms of a biblical view or a Christian view of government and just looks at some points in terms of how we can evaluate various political theories from a biblical worldview uh, and a biblical stance and at the beginning uh, you know it's very clear that the Bible does not provide an exhaustive treatment of government and so we have to um, and so it provides opportunities for Christians to hold very different views on particular political issues and and even though that is the case, Christians are not really free to believe whatever we want. We can't abandon the Bible completely as we evaluate political theories. And I'm not wanting to be political this morning. I'm speaking from a purely theoretical perspective as I touch on some of these points. Um, government comes from God. And we see that before the fall, there was government, there was order. There's order in the angelic realm, there's order in the earthly realm. So government and order is from God, okay? Um, we can look at the Bible and evaluate various political philosophies in terms of the roots of some philosophies. So for instance, many philosophies begin with um, an idea that man is not inherently fallen, that the problem is in society. And so if we change society, we change the man. So what happens is when we look at that political theory, we say, we, that is not a biblical political theory because we know that man is fallen at the start. So even if we change society and we change the economy, man will still be fallen, okay? So when we're looking at these things, we have to remember that. Um, yeah. Okay. So a biblical view of human nature requires a governmental system that acknowledges human responsibility. Okay, one of the primary reasons that God establishes government and ordains civil government is to rest restrain evil. Okay, now Christians must reject political philosophies which ignore human sinfulness. So there's some utopian political theories that are based upon a flawed assumption that man is not inherently evil. So therefore, okay, so in Plato's Republic, he proposes an ideal government where there's an enlightened leader and um, he will lead in such a manner that uh, he will not be fallen basically he will not be a fallen person but this particular republic can never be real it can never come into being because we know that every single man even an enlightened leader will never be so enlightened that he's not fallen amen okay a Marxist view of government. Karl Marx believed that human nature was conditioned by society and in particular the capitalist economy. And his solution was to change the economy so you change human nature. So if you remove the greedy uh, dynamics of, a, of an economy like, uh, from, uh, yeah, to socialism and communism, then greed ceases because the problem is not with the man, the problem is with the system. Well, we all know that even if you change the system, man is still fallen. So that is not the answer. Amen. We reject the utopia vision of Marxism because it's based upon an inaccurate view of human nature okay government is necessary it's divinely ordained by God it's under God's control and it's been given three political responsibilities number one the sword of justice to punish criminals number two the sword of order to thwart rebellion and number three the sword of war to defend the state and these are given by God okay and all of us as Christians should render service and be obedient to the government
government and we better make sure that we pray for the government and we we pray for the leaders of the government that they lead us the way that we want to go because God requires that we submit to them amen okay Christians final allegiance however must be to God so if the government leads us in such a way that is contrary to the word of God we still submit to the word of God above the authority of the government okay Okay. We need to pray for Christians to rise up in government and Christians who have a biblical worldview and a biblical idea and a, 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 yeah, a biblical worldview of government so that they can be spokespeople, they can shape policies, they can shape things that happen at that level. Amen. We can't just say, oh, well, whatever will be at that level, will, whatever will be, will be. We'll just concern ourselves about our church and these four walls and we don't take responsibility for that. No, we need to pray that God will raise up men and women who will be in government um, even if they're guilty of injustice even if they're guilty of human rights violations even if we don't like what they do we still are called to be a part of it and to change things by being salt and light in government and to change things by prayer for government okay it's our responsibility to do that okay um now, a key question that we need to think about um, as we're praying for government, as we're praying concerning ourselves and our families in the nation where we find ourselves is the limits of governmental authority. And it's important that we understand that God has ordained family and he's ordained church and he's ordained. These are institutions that are um, supposed to stand alone. Okay. So... So the first institution is the church and the government should work in harmony with the church um, and should recognize its sovereignty in spiritual matters. So in other words, the, the government can't dictate to the church what they can and can't preach. So I know in, the, in some of the Eastern European countries, um, in their, when they were com, uh, quite influenced by communist ideas, some of the pastors had to submit their sermons to government before they preached them. They had to submit them for approval. Okay, it's not meant to look like that. Church is an institution that stands alone in terms of spiritual matters. Now, of course, the government is there to step in when the church oversteps certain things, you know, like uses doom and other crazy things on their services. Okay, but... But for the most part, we meant to stand on our own. The same with family. The government shouldn't come and dictate to us how we discipline our children. Obviously, when we go over, you know, certain things and we now it's now child abuse, the government can step in. But they can't dictate to us. They shouldn't be able to dictate to us how we discipline and how we don't discipline. Okay, when we're disciplining according to a biblical perspective children are not wards of the state they belong to God and are given to parents as a gift from God and parents are to teach their children and to trust them to tutors and discipline them and then when something negative happens yes the government can step in okay so let me just let me go through this in a humanistic system of government the institution of church and family are usually subordinated to the state in an atheistic system the state becomes a substitute god and is given additional power to adjudicate disputes and bring order in society and we don't want to go there and sometimes it's dressed so it looks okay and there's christian language thrown in here and there but the ideology behind it is very often tending towards atheism 
racism and we have to pray that this doesn't happen okay institutions exist by permission of the state there is always because of that there's always the possibility that a new social contract will allow the government to intervene in the areas of church and family and their limits regarding that and we need to pray that those limits are clear and set in place in our nation okay a christian view of government recognizes the sovereignty of family and of church and governmental intervention in the spheres of church and family is necessary in certain cases when there's a threat to life liberty or property otherwise civil government should recognize the sovereignty of other god-ordained institutions we need to pray that it remains that way in this country encourage you to look at the notes i've done there's a whole there's a whole section there on law and the moral basis of law um, and i'll just touch a little bit on it now because i think it's important we pray concerning the laws especially um, concerning some of the laws you know they, they they're wanting to pass certain bills and often christians don't speak out a whole lot there's a small handful of christians who don't speak out and then the bill is passed and then all the christians are up in arms i'm like well where were you when it was being when it was being discussed you know where were you when they were still deciding where were you where were your prayers where was your voice you know we can't wait until they pass the you know abortion uh, law and then we are oh, all up in arms as christians no well it's too late the horse is bolted you know we have to stand and pray and speak out before certain things are passed into law now law should be the foundation of any government where the law is based upon moral absolutes changing consensus or totalitarian whim is of crucial importance so our law we have to say lord we cry out to you may the law in this nation be based upon your moral absolutes because as soon as we allow the law to be based on someone's whim who's not even a christian we're on a slippery slope that can only go downhill from there okay so in a christian view of government law is based upon god's revealed commandments law is not based upon human opinion sociological convention it's based in god unchangeable character and derived from biblical principles of morality and it happened that that's how law used to be but we seem to be in the world today moving from that to reflect more the trends of our own lusts and so we legislate certain things because that's what the lusts of the of the flesh are demanding and we're given to that okay but we need to remain with certain absolutes in our law in humanism humanity is the source of law law is merely the expression of the human will or the human mind since ethics and morality are man-made then the law becomes man-made and humanist law is rooted in human opinion and it's relative and it's arbitrary and it's what con it's what consensus and and relative uh, sort of um public opinion is today and 20 years from now it might change and there's no absolutes about it it's very dangerous okay so i encourage you to go read the notes and get some more information regarding um the moral law and some interesting information there it's important that we pray for our legislature it's important that we pray regarding specifically the laws that they're wanting to pass you know everything has a knock-on effect so maybe at first they want to legislate euthanasia for people who believe they have no hope left and they want to part they're dying from cancer and they want to pass on to no hope left because we know even god can heal any case amen Okay. So someone feels that there's no 
no hope left and a doctor can two doctors have to sign for it and then maybe the maybe the next step is that anyone can choose to do it um, if they have two doctors to sign because they're so depressed they have no reason for living and then maybe the next step is even a child under the age of 12 can do it without parental consent which by the way has happened in, in a European country without parental consent can opt to be euthanized because of whatever reason they deem they want to be euthanized can you see it's a slippery slope it gradually moves downhill from there okay so we have to nip it in the bud and say no we can't opt to murder ourselves it's murder because of the inherent value that we have as humans we made in the image of God and we don't have that option amen so these things need to be based on the word of God so what are some some prayer points after all of that what are some prayer points that you can go home and pray concerning government well 1 Timothy 3 verse 1 to, uh, 1 to 4 and Deuteronomy 17 we learn that prayers intercessions and giving of thanks need to be made for all leaders so we can start there we say Lord we know that you've given us this X and Y and Z in this particular domain of government we don't necessarily like them Lord we don't necessarily agree with all of their philosophies but you know what they're our leader they're our leader and as such they have delegated authority from you to lead even me and so Lord I'm going to pray for them and we start to give thanks thank you for them lord thank you for his wife thank you for their family lord god thank you for the thank you for the wisdom and the training that he has and now lord i pray that you would send wise godly counselors around him that he would hear counsel from 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 your men and women around him father we silence every lying spirit that is seeking to intimidate that is seeking to bring a destruction to this nation lord we pray you just begin to pray for them lord speak wise counsel lord bring people around them who've got a biblical worldview Lord, raise up people who will, who will walk with them and strengthen them. We pray for their family, pray for their marriage, pray for their children. There's so much that we can pray for, for leaders. We pray that leaders would govern in such a way as we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in godliness and reverence. 1 Timothy 3 verse 1 to 4. Okay. We can also pray concerning some of the, the purpose of government. You can pray that over the government. I read it to you earlier twice. Pray that over the government. Anything that you see that violates that, you can pray against it. Amen. Pray that government would fulfill its duty to protect life. So abortion is, is not that. Okay. So government needs to protect life. It needs to put policies and laws in place that protect life, okay? So pray that government would fulfill its first duty to protect life, to protect property and other God-ordained inalienable rights of citizenry. There's lots of scriptures there. You can go and look at them in the notes. Pray that those in government would operate under the rule of law, diligently applying the same legal rules and sanctions without regard to anybody's power or stations of life. So no one should be above the law, including the king, including the president, including whomever. Okay? And so a prayer that I like to pray often, I say, Lord, may you expose wickedness in high places. Lord, may you bring to light the things that need to come to light. Because everybody should be held to account, even those and especially those who lead. Amen. Okay, we can pray that God would raise up born-again, spirit-filled, discipled Christians in these key positions in government who have a biblical worldview and know their God. Daniel 11 verse 32, those who know their God will be strong and do mighty exploits. We need those type of men and women in positions of influence in the government. Pray that God would provide His solutions because we have problems that are very complex. 
very complex and we need God-sized solutions and God-wisdom to solve the problems in our nation. Man does not have all the answers. We need God to give our decision-makers answers. And then we need to pray that they have ears to hear and obey. Amen. And when we pray, we can pray for the judiciary, we can pray for the legislature, we can pray for the executive, and we can pray for military civil services. And these are some prayers we can pray for them. We can pray for them, for the, for the men, for the women, for their marriages, for their families, for their children, for the influences on their life, for what they hear, for protection over them, for impartiality, for sharpened conscience, for integrity, come on, for wisdom, for freedom from the fear of man. That's another biggie, I think. I think there's a lot of intimidation and witchcraft that happens in these high circles. We need people who walk free from fear of man. We can pray for them regarding the fear of God and wisdom, that the laws of God would be upheld and reflected in the laws of the land, that decisions are made with righteousness, not for selfish gain, that those governing do so with the heart of our King, won't take, take, take tax money and abuse it, okay? that the people of the nation are carried in the hearts of our leaders. There's so many things that we can pray for. We can just start where we're at with what we have a passion for. So maybe you have a passion for the laws, or maybe you have a passion for military services, or maybe you have a passion for those in the executive. Just start with your passion. And if you don't know how to pray, pray in tongues and read this and, and get educated and then pray with understanding. But it's important that the church prays for the government. Amen. We've got to pray. If we don't pray and we complain about it, I think God can turn around to us and say, how can you complain? Where are your prayers? Where are your prayers? Things only work for good when they prayed for good. Things will only work out for the benefit of the people in this nation when the people of the nation are praying enough so that they can work out. Because remember I said at the beginning that God delegated authority to us and He only steps in when we invite Him in. And how do we invite Him in? We invite Him in when we pray Him in. So we need to pray for these domains. Amen. Okay. And I'm done for today. Let's bow our heads and, and close and pray. And then I'm going to ask my husband to do the altar call. Father, we recognize that, that you are the only wise God. You have all wisdom with you. You have all knowledge with you. You, all understanding resides with you. You establish the world in understanding and wisdom. And Lord God, as your people, we turn to you this morning. And we cry out for wisdom, Lord God, that we would know how to effectively pray for the different domains in society. And today, Lord, specifically, we've looked at education and government, and that's what we cry out to you for. May you give us wisdom, Lord. May you give us a strategy. How do we make sure that we pray for government every week? May you give us a strategy for our personal prayer lives. How do we make sure that we pray over our children and the education system and their schools every week? Give us a strategy for Father, Father, would you broaden our hearts so that we're carrying more than just my four, my family of four or five or six or one or two, and that's all. And we're concerned about our own prosperity and building our own kingdom and our own name and our own business. And it's all about me and my and what's mine and my bank accounts. Father, as your church, we come before you this morning and we repent of that. And we turn from that selfish way of thinking. That is not a biblical way of thinking, Lord God. 
Father, we say this morning that we want to be about your kingdom and building your kingdom in this nation and the nations of the earth. Even in how we do church and planting churches, we want to have disciples that go into all spheres of society and, and bring your kingdom in all spheres of society. And so this morning, Lord God, we ask that you would give us wisdom as we pray. You would teach us to pray with our minds. Teach us to pray with intelligence regarding governments, regarding education, and regarding the other domains, Lord. You would give us your wisdom and understanding. Lord, you would show us things to pray for. You would give us dreams even. You would open our eyes spiritually that we can see things that are happening even in darkness. Things happening in behind closed doors. That you would help us to pray in accordance with your will, in accordance with your word. May we be a prayerful people who pray with intelligence, Lord. Father, we ask this morning for your mercy that you would give us, take us to another level of prayer. Take us to another level of carrying your burden for these domains, Lord. Of seeing with your, with your eyes and carrying your heart, Father. We want to be concerned about the things that concern you and how a nation is governed and how schools teach concerns you, Lord. Because it affects your people. It affects people and people are precious to you. We want to carry your hearts, Father. And so we ask that you would mobilize an army of prayerful people. You would mobilize an army of praying soldiers, of watching warriors in our midst, Lord God, who watch and pray for this nation. You would raise up an army of, of Deborahs across this nation, of, 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 of intercessors across this nation who will watch and pray and effect change for the better, Lord God. Lord, would you give us understanding even concerning political theories, even concerning, concerning parties to partner with, Lord, parties to vote for, Lord God, how to ascertain what's really going on, how to weigh things, how to value things, which schools to send our children to, Lord, how to prepare them for these, to face whatever they're going to face in these schools. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Make us weapons in your hands, Lord God, in this generation and for the generations to come. We commit this nation to you, South Africa. We pray for our leaders this morning, Lord. We pray for protection over every leader in the government of this nation, Lord. High levels, lower levels, municipal levels. Father, we pray that you would handpick leaders who are, who are schooled and educated and have understanding to know what to do in the roles that they've been given. Father, we pray that you would move out those who do not know what they are doing in the positions that they've been given. We pray that you would place in positions of authority those who have an understanding of what needs to be done. Father, we also pray that you would give them wise counsel. You would surround them with wise counsel. You would silence the voice of the enemy in their ears. Father, we pray for our leaders that you would give them a biblical understanding or surround them with those who do, Father. We pray that you would raise up in this nation a generation of Josephs and Daniels, of reformers who will make a difference in government and, and spheres of society like this, Lord God. We pray protection over our leaders. Father, we ask that you would give them wisdom even as they make agreements that will impact the nation. 
Give them wisdom, Lord God. We pray that where the enemy has plans, where there are plans for wickedness and evil for this nation, that you would hedge up those paths, that it would become impossible to pursue paths that are going to wickedness, Lord. We pray that you would go before our leaders and make your path straight before them. Father, we lift up schools in this nation and educators and teachers and policy makers in this nation. We pray that they would hear your word, that they would walk in your ways, Lord. We pray for policies that reflect a biblical worldview with biblical values and biblical moral law, Lord God. We pray for policies like this. Father, in, in schools in this nation, we just put a stop to all of these things that are creeping in that are humanist in nature. Things like this transgender um, philosophy, Lord God. Lord, that you would give them wisdom to know how to get, navigate this very challenging um, situation. We pray for teachers, that you would give them grace, that you would give them wisdom, that you would fill their hearts with love for the children they teach. We pray for parents today. Parents, come on, if you're a parent, won't you stand in this place? Even if you're parenting your niece or your nephew, you're parenting somebody else's, let's stand. Father, as parents, we stand this morning and we receive the call to educate our children. And Lord, we repent this morning where we haven't walked in the fullness of that, where we've abdicated responsibility. And Father, this morning we receive the call to educate our children in every area of life, including their spirituality, Lord. We pray that you would grant us wisdom to do so. We pray, Father God, that you would give us eyes to see what we need to see. We pray that you would give us an unction to function, Lord. May you give us wisdom in disciplining. May you give us wisdom in training. May you give us wisdom in loving. May you give us wisdom in terms of choosing schools, Lord God. We cry out this morning that you would have mercy on us, that you would supernaturally grace us for this task, Lord. And we receive that this morning. Lord, may there be a grace even to pray, to watch and pray over our children. We ask for that this morning, Lord, and we thank you for that. We thank you for your goodness that you give us what we ask for. In Jesus' name. seated if you're here and you feel called to government you feel called to politics just want you to stand maybe you work for a government department and you want to be a real statesman or something that's quasi-government and you want a strong anointing in that environment in this nation, there are very strong spirits of fear and intimidation that work in government environments, and you need a strong anointing to overcome. Maybe you need clarity because you don't know what to support, who to support. You see that they're not perfect, but you see the difference they could possibly make, and you need a spirit of wisdom. Just stand where you are. 
need wisdom around that. Father, we pray thanking you that you've called us to be reformers in society. And we pray for these people, Lord God, who are responding to this word, who feel this tug that they need to go to their next level of involvement in this domain of government. Give them wisdom, Father God. Give them insight, Lord. Give them the blueprint, Lord. Make them statesmen. Make them reformers. Make them know how to influence in this government of, of this domain government. Help those who are involved, Lord, on the legislative side of things. Help those, Lord God, on the judiciary side of things, on the executive side of things. Help those in quasi-government institutions, Lord. Help those in local government, local government, who want to transform towns and cities. Anoint them, Lord Jesus. Anoint them, Father, in this time. Let them not be influenced negatively, but let them be the influences in Jesus' name.